Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mycosis. And I wanna be a Steve Shaniac. Welcome to episode 166, Gangsta's Paradise. Cue the Coolio. Damn right. Oh, it's already been playing. Yeah. <laughs> I know that that's probably what was on the damn tape, but... Oh, it definitely was. It's like, it has to be. It's such a huge yeah. song, but it's like, Unfortunately, ah. we got that silent little word. Yeah, the, network, the, the, network, the network's it. not going to play any music for us. Yeah. But it's such a bummer that so much of that is lost. Oh, Coolio. Does he still put new stuff out? Has he been around recently? I haven't heard him probably in a while. still living in the gangsta's paradise. <laughs> I'm be. sure, yeah, I'm sure that that song alone is just going to keep the guy like at least comfortable. It's like there's that in Fantastic Voyage, right? Exactly. That's the two songs. <laughs> Both good. Gangsta's Paradise, gigantic hit, huge. So this is the only rendition of Gangsta's Paradise ever oh. produced by ECW. It would take place on September 19th, 1995, at the ECW Arena. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,175 people. They're hanging from the rafters. Damn right. Sitting on shoulders and shit. Uh-huh. The fire marshal uh, must have just turned a blind eye that Either evening. that or somebody hit him over the head with the chair. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't want to get anywhere near those <laughs> drunk idiots. <laughs> so I literally actually tweeted at Paul Heyman the other day, mm-hmm. knowing that he's never going to answer, but... For fun. Why not? I was like... You had to acknowledge him at least. Were the security guards in on what was going on? Because there's like the actual like police officers like that are like at ringside. Yeah. Like, and people are handing... St- and it's like... You would think that they would have had to have been in on it or they'd be stopping people from handing chairs so. or frying pans or whatever yeah i still can't get over the frying pan it's like there's no way to take that good no on the head like you could just tap me on the head with it and i'd probably get pretty pissed yep like jesus man i mean granted maybe they were just some super amazing lightweight frying pans or something but uh, i think i don't think so yeah even even the ones from the the dollar store <laughs> I've, I've seen plenty of chair shots and i've seen you know trash can lids being smashed across somebody's head and those just, you know, the trash can lids will crumple. The pans just. Yeah, like the cookie sheet. It's like, oh, that's not a nice cookie breaks. sheet. Yeah. But the pan, it's like, come on. Yeah. Even the lightest fucking frying pan is too heavy. Yep. But we are back in Philly. Are we ever? Hey, I gave you a two month reprieve from being in Philly. I kind of needed it. <laughs> Sometimes we all need it. Not only so much for uh, creative purposes, but for shipping and handling purposes as well. <laughs> so it gave you plenty of time to figure something out. Yep. So what did you bring us this week? Well, here we are in Philly. It's been a little while. Philly PA has been my 
nightmare for the Messiah for forever, just because we're there as much as we were. But thankfully, this break came at the right time because I decided that I wanted to order some official snacks from Philadelphia instead of just trying to find something that I can replicate here. So I looked online and I went to a place called phillysnacks.com and they had a wide variety of different candies and treats and chips and whatnot that are available from the Philly uh, area, made in the Philly area. So I ordered a variety box. I didn't quite get everything that I wanted just because there's shortage issues at the moment. So they were kind enough to swap some things out for me. We're only gonna start with one of them this time because, you know, Philly isn't some place that we're not going to be at for a while again. So I figured I'd save the others for later. This time we're gonna start off with what's called Keystone Crunch. It's made by Asher's. Uh, it's popcorn, pretzels, and nuts bathed in a buttery sweet toffee. Uh, kind of similar to Mostly a fiddle faddle or a. Uh, what the hell is the one that I can't think of? Cracker, the... cracker, jack. cracker Jack. There we go. Souped up Cracker Jack. Much better than a Cracker Jack. Yes, much yeah. better than um, jack. No prize, but I mean, it. The, the portion is, is the prize is that it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the prize is the pretzel. The portion is way fatter than your typical little single serving of Cracker Jacks or Fit Battle. Yeah, nicely coated. Let's the, see what they taste like because you guys I'm, got to try. I'm already. going to admit that if you uh, don't like listening to people chew on on microphone, this might not be the episode for I you because I was like there's trying a to... good chance. Yeah, that someone will be chewing it at some point. I was trying to open this like away from the microphone. It's like this is the loudest snack. Oh, we heard, yeah, we we've heard ever had every, every little bit of it. No such luck on that. Let's see what info it says on here. It doesn't give me any info about the place, but I can always look that up online. Uh, I know I ordered. I think Asher's makes different candies and chocolates. Shout out to uh, Albert at Philadelphia Snacks Thanks, for Albert. Uh, pushing things through and. Yeah, pretty fucking tasty so far. I'm kind of curious what the uh, next show goodies are going to be like uh, from Philly, just because I've got a few more things in there that we get to try. So yeah, this is probably the the highest of quality of popcorn covered in sugar that I've had. Caramel corn, I think, is what you call it. Caramel Definitely. corn, however you want to say it. Candy corn. This, I actually that's something completely different. This is my kind of, of candy corn. I actually kind of like <laughs> candy corn. Just candy once a year, I want one handful of candy corn. I can now. handle it. Every once I in a while. one handful of them so I can throw them in the uh, trash. I agree that they're gross, <laughs> but I also kind of like a stale peep, so I've got uh, some. See, I don't like peeps either. They're bad, but I like them when they're stale. I mean, I, I was right. a huge Christian fan. I was a, a proud member of, you know, the, the peep show, but <laughs> no, no, no marshmallow peeps, no candy corns, and, you know, that's coming from a guy that grew up in Nebraska. Give me the real deal or nothing at all. I mean, Matt wanted to only open one bag of these, so yeah. What about circus peanuts? No, thank you. Nope. They're, I don't even know what the flavor they're supposed to be, but they're disgusting, and I also kind of like to eat one every once in a while. Yeah, it's like Just to remind you of how air. horrible they are? Uh, yeah, <laughs> mostly. I think, I feel like maybe one of my grandmas ate them, and that's why I've even had the damn things, but no. something about trash candy from like 1950 that I kind of enjoy in a morbid way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, something that would happen right around the same time as Gangster's Paradise, the previous weekend, The Usual Suspects was released into theaters. That's a, a housemate 
Brian's like favorite movie. <clears throat> I think I can see him over there. He's oh, a yeah. huge. He's a huge Kaiser Sose fan. Uh, oh, yeah, it's one of. It's in my top ten yep. of all time. You know what's funny? I've only seen the end of the movie. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> which is really fucked up. Wow. So it's like, oh, I, I get it. And episode <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh... We're putting usual suspects on so he can watch it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a copy of it over here for sure. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Like if not, I got one at home. Or you can. But it's it it's Netflix like yeah, a movie with it like. Is so you know it's a, like the I know the end is such a mic drop that's like how did I even allow myself to see the end of it? It's kind of like though it's kind of like the sixth sense. Like you can watch it the first time you watch it and you don't know the twist, then you have that experience. But then once you do know the twist and you watch it again, you can appreciate the you craft. can appreciate it even more. Yeah. You get to, you know, rewatching it again and again. You catch all these little things that you've missed along the way, all the little obvious clues that are right in front of you that you don't really realize are there. And Is it a Soderbergh? No. It's no. a Brian Singer. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's two pretty uh, not cool guys in that, in that movie then. <laughs> there are some... Issues nowadays. If you want to, I mean, it's not going to stop me from watching it, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm sure that those were some pretty wild parties uh, after the set. But the guy that <laughs> actually the guy that wrote it actually is the guy who writes all of Tom Cruise's movies now as well. Oh, it's oh, oh McCory. That's cool. Hmm. Did he write the upcoming Maverick? He did. He did do a run through of that movie as well. I'm uh, excited to watch that movie. Um, in IMAX, even though I don't really like Top Gun. I think I'm just excited to see Tom Cruise fly a jet. Let's see, I like Top Gun. I'm, I'm leery about this, this I've heard Maverick. nothing but good things about it. I bet it's great, but it has... I mean, he's he's been in a lot of good things. Miles Teller, kind of a douchebag prick in real life, from what I understand, but... He he makes some decent movies. I don't know how I feel about him being Goose's son, but he at least looks the part. He does look the part. <laughs> I just want to see the Jets go fast. Yeah, I want to see if Val Kilmer is more than just a picture on the wall. They're gonna do a CGI. No, Val Kilmer is actually in the movie. Is he? In? Okay, because yeah. so far in the previews, that's all I saw was a picture of him on oh, the wall. Wait, Val Kilmer's Iceman. Yeah. yeah, but he's dead, right? No, he's still alive. Okay, I get... No, it. Goose was played by Anthony Edwards. Yeah, no, I just meant in real life. No. Oh, no. Val Kilmer's still alive. He's gone through... Yeah. Uh, ...where he has to talk through the little voice box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I always get... I know it's silly, but... Uh, if you've never watched it on Prime, there's a uh, little documentary thing, Val. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. It's awesome. His son does the uh, voiceover for a lot of it, and... His voice is very similar to Val's, so it's really trippy at times. Hmm. Yeah, I always get, not confused, but sometimes I'll replace, with, like, in my mind, who was in what movie between him and Swayze. Because <laughs> they were both, like, around at the same time. They both have those uh, big, strong-jawed faces. So, and uh, Patrick Swayze, unfortunately. R.I.P. That's yes. why I got it mixed up. So, yeah, Usual Suspects. Great movie, regardless of some of the uh, controversial people that are in it. Can you um, can you name all the suspects? I can name the actors, but I can't name the oh, characters. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you got Kevin Spacey, you've got Benicio del Toro, Stephen Baldwin, Gabriel Byrne, Kevin Pollock, 
That's always the one most people forget. Yeah. It's Kevin Pollock. Oh, I was going to say who Byrne. I was like, I don't even know if I know who that is. I know who all these other people are. Uh, he's... Gabriel Byrne did... I'm trying to remember what all he's been in. Like Miller's Crossing, Hereditary, End of Days. Hereditary. Oh, is he the dad from Hereditary? Yeah. Okay. Miller's Crossing, one of the only Coen Brothers movies I haven't seen. Some people say... Last one's Chaz Palminteri. No, Chaz Palminteri. That's right. I don't know who that is either. Chaz Palminteri, another great actor. Uh, if you've never seen Bullets Over Broadway... I highly recommend Bronx it. Bronx Tale. Uh, I've seen Bronx Tale. Get Shorty or... Bronx Tale's the only movie De Niro directed. Get Shorty. Where was he in Get Shorty? I'm trying to remember now. I don't, I don't think remember. he was. I don't remember. I don't think so. But yeah. Bullets Over Broadway is another movie uh, the year before this one came out. Not anything to do with this one other than starring Chaz Palminteri. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it had another not so liked person that created that one in, in Woody Allen, so I guess he's got a trend of working with polarizing people. <laughs> <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito is in it, too. Oh! Old, uh... Gus. Gus! Oh, Gus Fring. Yeah. yeah, it's funny, because... It's so weird to think that Giancarlo Esposito has been in so many great movies, mm -hmm. but, like, he was a background character in... That's most how Brady is. In, in most of them until he hit Breaking Bad, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, exactly. Once anytime I go, like, he shows up in a movie. I'm like, oh yeah, I never like you never noticed him before, but then after Breaking right. Bad, it's like, oh yeah, he shows up in so many things. He's one of those great character actors that can blend in and do the right thing. Yep. Yeah. Damn, he was out. Wait, damn, that far back. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. he, he was. Uh, he was in Taps too. Trading Places. He was in Trading Places? Yeah, he was a cellmate. Oh, okay. It was one of his first roles. Wow. Wow. Hell of a career. Kind of like best possible like, like acting career where it's like, oh, I'm not too famous. But, uh, you know, I've always got work. Mobetta Blues. Harley Davidson, The Marlboro Man. Bob Roberts. Malcolm X. He like, must be a pretty like good dude. Pretty good pals with Spike dude Lee. Dude has a career yeah. bit that most people just don't realize. Yeah. Until he hit Breaking Bad. Yep. Well, that was Usual Suspects. Yes. <laughs> Two-time Oscar winner or a double Oscar winner, I should say. Best supporting actor for Kevin Spacey, and then best screenplay yep. with the guy whose name I can't remember. Christopher McCourt. Christopher McCourt. There we are. Who most of his movies are pretty good. I mean, like I said, he mostly writes for Tom Cruise now, so you got to take them for what they are. Yeah. But at the same time, they're a lot better than other things that action film-wise that are out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely writing for Tom Cruise. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. like there's that. That is the caveat. But like, hey, I mean, hmm. Tom Cruise movies are typically at the very least fun. Especially the last like decade, where it's just been mostly Mission Impossibles. I miss the Tom Cruise from like Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, I mean, I want him to do more stuff like that and just like shock the hell out of me instead of just being the same. Well, that's kind of like a Collateral, where he plays stuff. like a, yeah. a like a badass. I love that movie. I just watched that one not too long ago. Yeah. Well, let's talk some wrestling. Do it. The logo comes onto the screen with what looks like Microsoft clip art. Yep. <laughs> before we get the date and location of the show. Joey Styles then welcomes us before we go straight to our first match. The Broad Street Bully 
versus Bull Pain. Bull Pain. Bull on bull, bull on bully violence. I couldn't even hear the end. I just heard was, his name was Bull Pay, and I'm like, what a terrible wrestling name. <laughs> not that, not that Bull Pain is that much better. Is, uh, <laughs> is this Max's brother? <laughs> it's his uh, secret twin cousin. <laughs> so actually, I read the reason Bull Pain got brought in. Uh, he was a good friend of the Rotten's. And any time one of the Rottens needed time off, they brought him in to oh, yeah. basically take the place and... take the place of one of the Rottens. I could see yeah, that. when one of them decided that they was they should probably not wrestle with stitches. Exactly. <laughs> so the match gets going as Bull jumps the bully, dropping him with a back suplex before divulging into a fist fight between the two. When the bully hits a leaping clothesline. Broad Street Bully uses his hockey stick multiple ways on pain to send him out to the floor, only for Bull to retaliate with a chair shot across the head. The two brawl their way around the ring, using more chairs and the steel steps, when pain suplexes the Bully through the timekeeper's table. The two men are back and forth with the hockey stick, until Bull delivers a DDT onto the broken table. Broad Street Bully's dragged back into the ring, where Payne hits a power slam and starts to gloat, allowing the bully to fight back with eye pokes and chokes. But Bull hits the pucks a few times to regain control. Payne tosses Broad Street Bully out to the floor, following out with a clothesline from the apron. The bully fights back with several chair shots, only for Bull to steal it away, setting Broad Street Bully on it before hitting a leaping clothesline. Payne then climbs back into the ring, but the bully trips him up and crotches Bull on the ring post. Two nut shots. Before delivering several elbows to the chin and chair shots. They start to brawl around ringside when Payne goes for a pile driver, only to transition into a gut wrench onto the guardrails. The bully grabs a can of soda before rolling back into the ring, where he smashes it across the head of Bull to knock him down. Broad Street Bully hits a couple more low blows and a body guillotine across the ropes, with him sliding out to the apron, where Payne responds by pulling him back into the ring and setting him on the top turnbuckle for a superplex. Bull then tosses the Bully out to the floor before dragging him back over the ropes to deliver a draping DDT for the pin and, and the win. win. I love that the crowd is just... Che- chanting like you both suck you both suck and then yeah. they do the superplex spot and then they cheer yeah. it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> come on guys and this is where joey the, at the beginning right when the table breaks he's a, joey says that the number of tables broken on ecw show is equal to the number of screw jobs in a wcw show and i'm like was there a recent screw job in wcw or like is when isn't there a screw job in WCW i mean yeah i guess anytime Hogan yeah, around. yeah yeah i guess the screw job is uh, just Hogan saying that doesn't work for me, brother. But it was just funny because it's like the first time I think we've heard screw job said. And, you know, it's not 1997 yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. We then go to our second match Chad Austin and Devious Don E. Allen versus the Dudleys of Dances with Dudley and Dudley Dudley with. Chubby Dudley and Big Dick Dudley. That's a whole lot of Dudley going on. So, we, so we've added a couple more 
brothers to the mix. Yep. With the com- combined, they have nine teeth and the IQ of uh, 54, according to Joey. <laughs> Big Dick is out on crutches, and Joey tells us that he had an accident with a garbage truck. Uh-oh. So he's a garbage man by day, wrestler by night. Sounds like he should be working for the WWF. Pretty much. There's also another Dudley out in the crowd. Sign guy Dudley. Is it the same sign guy? No, it's a different one because the original sign guy actually has a sign that says, Condoms prevent Dudleys. (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, you know. Which is a a good sign. They are multiplying for sure. (laughs) Dances with Dudley. Dances with Dudley is so stupid. It's funny. Yep. <laughs> and I was actually looking at him trying to figure out, all right, is he somebody that I've seen before? Is this where old Charlie Norris turned up at? <laughs> yeah, Charlie Norris <laughs> dance, would be a great Dances with Dudley. Uh, the answer is no. So Dances with chases after Austin, taking him down before hitting several chops and clotheslines, only for Chad to hit a clothesline of his own. But Dances with Dudley responds right back with another clothesline. DW does a short war dance before hitting a front suplex. Dudley Dudley then tags in to double-team Austin in the corner, followed by body slams and elbow drops. Poor Chad. Dudley Dudley delivers a snap suplex for a two-count, then teams with Dances with, again for a backbreaker diving elbow combo. But instead of making a pin, they toss Chad to the corner, allowing Allen to make the tag and walk right into a power slam from Dances with Dudley. DW is drawing with the fans before whipping Devious Dawn to the ropes. The camera then switches out to the floor, where Dudley Dudley is nailing Chad with a chair, before dragging him around ringside. Back in the ring, Dances with hits another power slam for a near fall, as Dudley Dudley suplexes Austin through the timekeeper's table. Is that the second timekeeper's table? That's the second one. The Dudleys then make a tag so that Dudley Dudley can hit a vertical suplex, followed by Dances with Dudley doing something, but the camera shows us Big Dick poking Chad with his crutches instead. DW then delivers a body slam to Allen, followed by a top rope splash from Dudley Dudley for the pin. And, and the win. win. What a sloppy splash. A little bit. Oh, Chad and Chad and Donnie. I hope they got paid more than 50 bucks each. Poor Chad. Your career peaked when you got a new jacket. <laughs> jacket was way better than his wrestling career has ever been. And I think he only had it for like two shows and that was it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had to pawn it because his check didn't clear. Mm-hmm. Probably. I think Jason saw how good the jacket looked and was like, nope, that's mine now. Yeah, I need a jacket. This will look better <laughs> on me anyway. Yep. So we go to our third match. J.T. Smith versus Hack Myers. And there is a story behind this match. Okay. So J.T. had suffered a concussion on a botched dive through the ropes during Wrestlepalooza, a show that we weren't able to get a copy of, so we didn't cover it. Like, when he was diving through, his knee pads caught on the ropes, causing him to fall headfirst into the floor. So now, they played it up, and Smith has brain damage. Oh, now he's just mean. And thinks he's Italian, because he's friends with Big Val Puccio. Oh, good lord. I mean, I'm (laughs) glad to see JT back, because I feel like he's hasn't been, for all the guys in ECW, he was one of the early ones, and 
He's a better wrestler than a lot of them. He's got charisma, and we don't see him enough. It's like, why can't we just use this guy? Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, this is the first time we've seen him since November to Remember. Yeah. Oh, wow. Episode 133. Yeah. And he's really, you know, now that he has, you know, some kind of gimmick, like, he's John, John with the crowd and arguably more charismatic than most of these ECWs. Well, this guys. makes a whole lot more sense, because, yeah, I heard them saying something about... Uh, they kept using Italian words, and I can't remember what the hell they said. But yeah, it just—I was trying to figure out what the hell does this have to do with J.T. Smith, and yeah, makes a whole lot more sense now. That explanation kinda. probably will make this match much more entertaining <laughs> if you had had that information. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was still—I'm a, a low-key J.T. Smith saying. fan, so I was just happy to see him, especially after Donnie Allen and Chad, who you know can't say I'm stoked when they show up. So JT takes the mic and tells all the paisanos in the crowd to chant Shaw for him instead of Hack. But the crowd doesn't really like that idea. No, they love yelling Shaw. Mm -hmm. The two men surprisingly start with some mat wrestling when the match gets clipped forward. Smith is then throwing punches and the crowd is chanting shit instead of Shaw. Which distracts JT, allowing Myers to attack. More arm locks and chin locks shared between the two as the crowd calls for blood. Another clip ahead where Smith goes for a slingshot plancha, but Hack just walks away to avoid. <laughs> I love it. Followed by a clothesline. We move forward again as they are brawling into the crowd with JT attempting a pile driver, only for Myers to reverse into a back body drop. They head back into the ring for shot punches and another backdrop. When we clip ahead to hack on the mat as JT is climbing to the top rope. Only for him to trip and fall out through a table. Uh oh. <laughs> what a lazy way to break a table. It's like, yeah, what if you just kind of fall into the table? So the ref makes the count out as Smith struggles to get to his feet. So hack is your winner. Post match, JT grabs the announcer and he's getting mad at him. But the announcer just calmly explains it. It, it was the ref that counted you out, not, not me. <laughs> but yeah, this is where it got confusing too because they said something about winner by disqualification at first on the show, and I was totally thrown by that. Yeah, like their JT wouldn't go down for Hack Myers, I guess. Like, what is the, the, the disqualification without <laughs> Bill Alfonso? It's part of the brain damage. Uh, yeah, tripped and it was a comedy spot. Yeah, it's just deep, like. DQ. Wait, is ECW like, so have crazy? The DQ over the top rule? <laughs> just, just for this match. Just no, it was a countout. Yeah, it was a countout. Oh, no, but on the yeah. show, they, oh. that, that's what the ring announcer oh, said no. was disqualification. Was oh, like, did he say DQ? Yeah. No. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a countout, but it's just like, <laughs> oh, he has, I don't think we've seen a countout. Probably ECW. not in ECW. Mm -mm. Not that I can remember, anyways. We are then sent to a video package where we see Joey in the ring where Taz is confronting two Colt Scorpio, Jason, and the Eliminators, challenging them to a match. But it wouldn't be a four-on-one match, because the human suplex machine would go find some help. Dun, dun, dun. Doesn't Taz have a bad neck? He does. We'll talk about that here. As we okay, head into our fourth match, Taz and the Steiner brothers... Ooh, ooh. Of Rick and Scott Steiner versus the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus and Jason 
with two cold Scorpio. So the story behind this match was that after Heat Wave, Scorpio had broken Taz's neck during a match. And the human suplex machine was out for revenge. So he would enlist the help of the Steiners to help him take out his foes. That's a lot of suplex machines. A little bit. I uh, I was not expecting the Steiners in ECW. I, I totally had no clue. Surprise number one. Surprise number uh, one. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> they probably were the highest paid on the show. Um, might be. Yeah, I mean, just, just a guess. So Joey tells us that Jason has told Too Cold to relax and that he would take his place for this matchup. And we'll see why a little bit later in the evening. But before Scorpio leaves the ring, he cheap shots Taz from behind, only for the Steiners to clear the ring with back body drops, elbow drops, and Steiner lines. It's another edited match, guys. So we skip forward to Scott hip-tossing both Eliminators, and Rick follows with a double Steiner line. Cronus with a body slam and a somersault leg drop, but Rick responds with more Steiner lines on everybody for a two-count. I mean, the somersault leg drop, pretty cool. Yeah. See? Scott's being worked over by the Eliminators, but when Jason enters the match, Scott throws him with a belly-to-belly suplex before tossing him out to the floor. Rick and Taz then team up for an Irish whip-aided clothesline on Jason, but even that is too much for the human suplex machine's neck. Back in the ring, Scott delivers a wedgie-plex to Jason, then nails a belly-to-belly on Saturn, followed up by Rick hitting a top-rope belly-to-belly for a near-fall. Scott with a second-rope follow-away slam on Perry makes the cover, only for Jason to break it up and the match devolves into a brawl. Taz ends up busting Jason open with punches inside the ring, while the Steiners take the Eliminators to the floor. The human suplex machine, like every time he like punches, he continues to like, like grab his neck, because it's legitimately broken. Oh, it and really he, is? And he's working through it, basically. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. I mean, now he's selling sure. it, but like you know, even if it wasn't real, he would sell it, because he's Taz. But yeah, that's crazy that he's... Uh... You know, actually working with a broken neck. So the ref, cool. the ref is concerned about, you know, his health. Because he's in the ring. He probably shouldn't be. Probably not. I think the Steiners might be able to handle it. Only for Taz to throw the ref into the turnbuckle. The human suplex machine continues to destroy Jason. When Too Cold jumps back into the ring, kicking Taz in the back of the head before rolling Jason on top for the pin... And the win. Too cold. If, if Too Cold was the guy that broke his neck, I would not want him being the guy. We know he's not the crispiest of dudes. I don't need him to fucking nope. do a drop kick to the back of my head. Like, I don't. I don't trust him. <laughs> like, not, not before he broke it. the neck, I don't trust him. If somebody else did it, I still don't trust him. <laughs> Post match, Rick catches up with Scorpio to throw him into the guardrail. As Joey calls being pinned by Jason the most degrading moment in Taz's career. Jason is, uh, he's... The he's sexiest a, man, not the best wrestler. No. Yeah, like his whole thing is that he's a joke. Like, that's that's the thing. 
But the joke's on you because he's the sexiest. I mean, he is one of the more Sorry, handsome men in ECW, uh, for sure. <laughs> it's pretty slim pickings. <laughs> A little bit. We then head to our fifth match. Raven and Stevie Richards with Beulah McGillicuddy versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. The champ comes out first. Foreshadowing. But it's also only Raven that comes out. Stevie still in the back? Uh, Maybe he's smooching. Maybe, Joey he, says, maybe he also has a concussion and thinks he's Italian. <laughs> Joey says he saw Stevie in the back trying to convince someone to take his place. And also that the Pitbulls will split up if they lose tonight. Ooh. We can't have that. Uh-uh. I'm a Pitbull, Pitbull fan over here. I mean, how are you just going to be Pitbull number one and Pitbull number two if you're not on the same team, damn it? That's yeah. just going to sound dumb. Be like Mass Assassin. I know. One and two, just Mi- wrestling on their Mr. own. Yeah, Mr. Re- Mr. Wrestling Two or whatever. Be <laughs> Brian Blair and never mind. <laughs> Beulah takes the mic and says Richards broke his arm the night before. So to make it fair for Raven, she asks that it change to a two out of three falls match, which is agreed to. And I have the question: Why is a two out of three falls match better? For a supposedly what looks like it's going to be a handicap match. I guess just so he gets a second chance. (laughs) I don't know. It seems. But it also means that he has to get two two pins instead of one. Instead of just one. Yeah, it's not. It's not sound logic. It's ECW logic. So, I didn't mention that it's also a dog collar match. Oh yeah. Which they didn't tell you until it started. I feel like. I don't believe they did. Yeah, because I was like, okay, it's also a dog collar match? Because I was like, wait a second, there's chains on their neck? Because number two is chained to Raven. But that means number one is left unchained because, like we said, Stevie's not there. Yeah. Yep. So when the bell rings, number two pulls Raven in for an atomic drop and starts stomping away, using chain-filled fists and hanging him over the ropes. And if I was number one... I would just help. Yeah. Get the two pins real quick, and the match is over. Yep. Yeah. But instead, number one heads to the back, while number two continues to choke away on Raven. They're uh, a little, a little sure of themselves, I guess. Number two heads to the floor to use a chair across the head of Raven before rolling back into the ring. When number one returns. With a busted open Stevie to brawl in the aisleway. Oh, that's what Stevie was doing in the back. Blading. While number two <laughs> slides a table into the ring. Chair shots on Richards from number one. But Raven has recovered while the table was being set up. Allowing him to hit number two from behind. Before pile driving him through it for a pin. Is that the pile driver that's like straight through the middle of the table? Yep. Like, yes. it like just... Pokes it out, uh, pokes out the center of it. Nasty. So just so you know, that's number four. Oh, it's number four. Okay, you're keeping track. <laughs> so Raven and Stevie are now up one pin. Everybody's in the ring with Raven using the chain on number two before the champs team up for a double DDT on number one for a near fall. Richards with a Stevie kick for a two count on number one as number two grabs another table for the ring. Number one has recovered to beat down Richards, 
allowing them to drive Stevie through table number five with a super bomb for a pin. Boom! Stevie's full full crimson mask. He did. He uh. Yeah, he went full flare. He went in. Yeah, I feel like maybe he cut himself and then did jumping jacks before he came out and just get the <laughs> blood flow up. So we're all tied up at one. The crowd is chanting EC Dub as Raven and number two brawl into the crowd using chairs while number one widens Richard's cut with a frying pan and punches. There's a frying pan. Stevie responds with a chair out in the crowd while number two and Raven have made their way back to the ring where number two looks for another table getting it set up inside the ring when Raven would throw number two into the ref. Ref bump. All of a sudden, the Dudleys hit the ring to attack the pit bulls, Boom. helping the champs deliver stereo super bombs. But the pit bulls no sell them. Bum bum bum. Number one and number two grab all four men to hit stereo double DDTs before delivering super bombs to Dudley Dudley and dances with Dudley. <laughs> dances with Dudley makes me laugh every time. <laughs> number two sets the table up again. Which the Pitbulls then drive Raven into with another super bomb as his head clips the table. Yeah, that made me cringe. I know, they missed the t- table and just the back of his head catches the edge of the table. Yeah. Kind of one of the worst things that you could do. Yeah. And it's a power bomb. Didn't break though. Ugh. <laughs> number two. I, well, probably maybe better if it did. Number two makes a cover but only for a two count as it was a slow count as the ref still down we get a pitbull chant as we should because the pitbulls are the steiner brothers of ecw even though the steiner brothers are here in ecw today beulah then tosses a rag to raven as he's laying on the mat while number two sets up tables on top of each other on the floor raven then chokes out number two with the rag must be some of that chloroform chloroform yeah i was about to say chlorophyll and it's like no that's plant blood he then sets number two on the stacked tables before leaping off the second rope with a leg drop, only breaking the top table. Yep. So number two ends up sliding down to the bottom table, where Raven then delivers a second rope elbow drop to drive him through it. <laughs> and that's what, number six and seven? Six and Three, seven. Six and seven. Okay. Also, like, how, why did you go from the second rope... To try to do two tables because you got to go like up to go down is like it's just get to the top rope for the same reason that two out of three falls is better than just a single pin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he was probably knocked silly from that head thing, so it's Could like be. I can't be, oh, yeah, can't blame him too much. He's probably he, just like maybe he's a little scared. Yeah, I guess he did just take a uh, a table edge to the head. Yeah, there's no way that that's not a concussion. <laughs> Number one continues to work over Stevie inside the ring with a vertical suplex. But Richards recovers to climb the turnbuckles, only for number one to yank him off, crotching Stevie on the top rope. Raven has unhooked his chain as the medics take number two to the back on a stretcher, while number one suplexes Richards through table number eight, eight for a near fall. Beulah has climbed into the ring when Stevie's ex-girlfriend hits the ring for a catfight until Raven hits a DDT on our mystery woman. Tommy Dreamer then comes out. I mean... Because, why wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's a little overbooking. <laughs> he hooks himself 
to Raven <laughs> and starts to work him over, delivering a DDT for the pin and the win. win. And, and new. Question mark, question mark. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, head, head scratch emoji. Record scratch. Bill Alfonso runs out and says Dreamer was not in the match and the Pitbulls cannot continue. So he attempts to award the match to Raven and Richards. Yeah, see, I was laughing at that part because my thought was, well, wait a minute. It started off with one against two, so why do you stop the match when it's back down to one against two if one of the Pitbulls can't continue? Yeah, I think the thing that yeah. made the most amount of sense in this match is that Tommy Dreamer hooked himself up to the chain Before and that's still involved. and that's still silly but at least they have like a like blood feud going on so he's like yeah. you know what it's like a, a man against man thing and that's still silly but it's maybe the most the thing that makes the most sense in the match commissioner Todd Gordon then comes down and having none of that oh. idea yeah he shoves Fonzie and restarts the match Big Dick Dudley then enters the ring, <laughs> and he choke slams Dreamer, followed by Alfonso saying he has reinstated the choke slam as a legal move for one night only. Because little backstory, he had banned the move uh-huh. since we had seen them last because. He didn't want to be choke slammed by nine one one. Also, nine one one is super over. So if you do a couple shows without a choke slam and then you get a choke slam, it elongates. Oh yeah, that's just it elongates dog. his you know his popularity. It's the same reason they used to the pile driver was uh, outlawed back in the day. So you could use it to set up an angle. So since the moves not banned tonight. The next logical step, of course, is... To play 911's music. 911 comes out. <laughs> With Fonzie finally getting his comeuppance, and the crowd is going crazy. Number two then comes back to the ring, rolling back in, where Dreamer and 911 then assist the Pitbulls in hitting stereo super bombs on Raven and Stevie for the pin and, and the win. win. And we do really get officially and new. Can't break up the pit bulls. That's crazy. That's right. This is like the most ECW match. That's so much fun. It's so fun. Yeah, like it's dumb as hell, but it is so fun. Like it's like, oh, this is, yeah, this is a complete mess, but uh, a somehow compelling mess. I mean, it's got it's got everything. I mean, you got. Dog collars, chains, mystery at the beginning with the missing partner. Like three tables. Ref bump, two chicks having a fight. Uh, one guy comes out already, really, already really blading. Stefan to have said all that. <laughs> <laughs> this match has everything. <laughs> it's one of those. Is that how are... Bill Hader got all of this stuff? He just watched ECW shows and was like, oh, this match had this stuff? <laughs> yeah. It's like a. A beautiful picture of something horrible. <laughs> uh, it's like the most the most wonderful of car wrecks. <laughs> and sometimes this happens and we roll our eyes, but this one worked because everybody had some energy and it's all like some of the more energetic people. Tommy I mean, that Dreamer. alone right there made me yell at my TV because <laughs> finally the pit bulls get some recognition other yeah. than just being too big 
muscular, leather-clad dudes. Yeah. They're great. So we go to our sixth match. Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Wait a minute. What channel am I on here? You're watching ECW, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And this is both of these guys' ECW debut. And we haven't seen them since AAA When Worlds Collide. A show everyone should watch twice. Episode 134. So, yeah, that means Psychosis was 22 then, probably, because he's 23 now. And Ray is only 20, so he was 18, 19 at the Mm -hmm. time. What's funny is Ray uh, still kind of looks 20. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's got the babiest of faces. That's why they covered it up. So Ray catches Psychosis in several arm drags, but he answers right back with arm work, which the two men then trade athletic reversals. Psychosis takes control with a powerbomb before throwing Mysterio high up in the air for a faceplant. Aw, little Ray. Psychosis continues with an Oklahoma stampede. A press slam across the top turnbuckle, a drop kick, a frisbee slam, and a leg drop before beginning to chop away. Tossing Ray to a corner, following in with a split-legged corner splash. And all this is happening so fast, uh, Joey can't even call it. He's just like, oh, shit. Psychosis tries for a second splash, only for Mysterio to avoid, and hit a springboard hurricanrana for a two-count. Ray keeps up the innovation with a cartwheel and a leap onto the shoulders of Psychosis into another hurricanrana, followed by a tilt-a-whirl head-scissors takedown. Mysterio then charges at Psychosis, who backdrops him over the ropes, but Ray lands on the apron, where the two men begin to trade chops until Mysterio is knocked down to the mat. Psychosis then charges at Ray, only to be monkey-flipped into the turnbuckle, falling out to the floor. Back in the ring, Mysterio with a corner splash attempt, only for Psychosis to move, sending Ray headfirst into the turnbuckle. Psychosis with a double leg takedown before heading up top to deliver a flying leg drop for a two-count, and continuing the punishment with another powerbomb for a near fall. Psychosis then hits a spinning heel kick to send Mysterio rolling out to the floor, followed by going for a tope suicida, but Ray has grabbed a chair from the crowd and smashes Psychosis across the head as he flies through the ropes. I mean, my god, what a, what a, uh, pretty dangerous spot in a match full of, uh, dangerous spots that are happening all very quickly. Back into the ring they go, where Psychosis hits multiple drop kicks to Mysterio's knee. A body slam and a twisting senton for a two count. Yeah, Joey says something about if you know what this move is called, call the hotline. Except for you, Eric Bischoff, this McMahon, you're gonna I, need more than a what a maneuver for this one. Ah, uh, yeah, I was, I was like moon salt twist senton. It's incredible. Obviously, yeah. uh, it is. Um, yeah, a lot. It's a lot of things he did in the air. Uh-huh. For what purpose? Our own enjoyment. Psychosis then misses a leaping knee to Ray in the corner, sending him tumbling over the ropes to the floor, followed by Mysterio looking for a tope suicida, but Psychosis leaps over the guardrails into the front row. So Ray decides to deliver a springboard plancha instead into the crowd to take Psychosis down. Damn. Uh, And it's funny that uh, he sees that you know, he can't reach the guy at first, so he does like the 619 to like bring himself back in, and then just... Right off the springboard, and he goes 
really far because he probably weighs like a buck thirty. I mean, Mysterio in full-on Spider-Man mode here with his little six-one-nine to save himself, and then flying out into the crowd onto Psychosis. That was fucking awesome. They make it back into the ring where Psychosis climbs the turnbuckles, only for Mysterio to meet him there to hit a super hurricanrana for the, the pin, pin. And, and the, the win. Ooh, that landing though. Uh, <sighs> Mysterio, when he hit the Hurricane Rana and landed basically on his head or neck, I was a little nervous for him. Yeah, I think there's an earlier one where the same thing happens to the psychosis in this match, and I'm like, Jesus, guys, you're just like, you're supposed to. It's supposed to look good, not not act. You're not supposed to actually smash the man's head <laughs> into the thing, or but I mean, uh, lucha much. This match was wild. <laughs> lucha much. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, damn. We've seen some Sabus and Scorpios, uh, but and even our other juniors that have come over from Japan, uh, Benoit and Eddie and stuff like that, but uh, Mysterio and Psychosis are pure luchadors. Yes. We go to Joey Styles in the Eagle's Nest, and he's talking about the previous match. When someone hands him a headset out of nowhere. I guess there's a commotion backstage involving Public Enemy, New Jack, and Two Cold Scorpio. And Joey tries to throw it back to a camera, but New Jack threatens the cameraman, so the feed cuts to static. But Styles then says that there's a fan back there with the camera. So they send to it, only for Public Enemy to stop him from filming. If the fan had a camera, it would just be like a VHS tape, like... No, it wouldn't even be that. It'd be one of those, like, Kodak... Flip flip phone. Yeah. No no flip phone. No. Just one of those Kodak with the little light bar on top of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That kind of a camera. Yeah, it's like 1995. Yeah. I mean, unless it's somebody that checked it out from the uh, AV club at high school. (laughs) Yeah. Remember we had one of those giant, like, four-pound RCAs that you put, like, a full VHS tape in? Yeah. So Joey grabs his cameraman, and they head to the back, where we see everyone arguing. Officials show up to stop the fight, and Styles is packing up to leave when he notices someone else. Hmm. It's it stunning Steve Austin, wearing a homemade t-shirt that says, Steve-a-mania rules. <laughs> Don in the red and yellow. Austin is doing a Hogan impression, even calling Styles Mean Joey. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Steve says he doesn't have what it takes to get it done in ECW. So he looked to the greatest world champion. He said his prayers, took his vitamins, and trained. And he like is saying the word brother after oh, yeah. every single word. Johnny Grunge then walks in and starts going crazy about Steve-a-mania. But then Austin just rips his shirt off and says he's not going to do this shit. That it wouldn't work anywhere before walking away with Styles looking dumbfounded. There's one line that I want to make sure we get is that he says he wasn't allowed to pass the mid card mid card status in WCW, and it's like, oh, we're you know we're we're, we're talking uh, <laughs> talking talk. talking real talk, but we're also using behind the stage stuff. Like we're this is pre pre big internet. Like you know we're not keeping any. Kayfabe as if they do an ECW anyway, but uh, it was very funny. Nice little dig. So this is the first time we've seen Stunning Steve since Halloween Havoc 94. 
episode 132. Nice to see him. Would have been nice to see him in the ring, but I mean, this is maybe some of the <coughs> like mo- like most playful Steve Austin we've seen, and probably the most playful Steve Austin we'll see. I'm trying to remember, was our last Steve match against Duggan? Was that yes. when he lost the belt? Yeah, and that's Wayne. probably when he was like, I just lost to fucking Duggan. Yeah. I've been here for years and just Fuck you holding guys. down the like. So at this point, he had gotten hurt. And he got fired by FedEx. Oh, that's a nice way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Classy. So he was actually still hurt at this point when he was in ECW. Was it a knee knee injury? Yeah. Okay. And Paul Heyman basically called him up and was like, come cut some promos. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, so he knows him from back in WCW, so he's probably just let him, yeah, doing him the favor of, uh, you know, Keeping your name out there. Yeah. The Dangerous Alliance. You get to talk guys, a little bit man. of shit. Exactly. Because I'm sure the people that were Steve Austin fans in WCW are more, are not casual wrestling fans. They're probably bigger yeah. wrestling fans. The kind that we're reading, we're reading the newsletters and stuff. Yep. So we head to our seventh batch. Mikey Whipwreck. And Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus New Jack, Two Cold Scorpio, and the Sandman with Woman in a Gangsta's Paradise cage match. So the story behind this match was that the feud between the Gangsta's and Public Enemy was still continuing. We've seen that happening. Yeah, it's reached a fever pitch. While Mikey had won a number one contenders match for the world title. He had lost that match, but he would then end up defeating the Sandman in a non-title Singapore Kane match to continue their feud, so they combine the two feuds into this one. And you know what we get? Mikey, dressed like a public enemy, which is very cute and funny. Hair and braids, Uh wearing the jersey. Yep. He almost reminded me of whatever the dude's name is, the lead singer of The Cure, just in braids. That's what I kept seeing every time they showed Mikey's face. That's funny. <laughs> you think he looks like Robert Smith in a baseball jersey? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. But yeah, was it just... With braids. You, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it. That's what my eye saw anyway. Yeah, I never thought about... And once my brain thought that, that's all I could see every huh. time I looked at him. Showed Photoshop Mikey Whipwreck's face onto a photo of um, <laughs> Robert Smith. Mikey shows that he has definitely been hanging out with Public Enemy, as when he gets in the ring, he hugs the announcer, then he turns and hands Public Enemy his watch and wallet. Thieves. <laughs> Sandman comes out, and he sits on top of the cage, enjoying a beer, while New Jack grabs Mike. Dropping some fucks and threatens to tear down the building. When Rocco then grabs the mic to call woman a raggedy asshole. Raggedy asshole. And Mustafa, he says Mustafa couldn't be here because of a fireball. No, he got held up by the 5-0. Oh, by the 5-0. Yeah, I heard he, fireball. He had a legitimate run-in <laughs> oh, with, with local law enforcement. Okay. <laughs> Hence the reason to Cold Scorpio is yeah. in this match. Also, I love that uh, he just calls everybody a pussy. It's like, Jesus, man. <laughs> New Jack really doesn't give a fuck as if we already didn't know that. He don't give a fuck, but he he said lots of fucks. (laughs) Yeah. 
So everyone starts to brawl, except for Sandman, who remains on top of the cage. Just drinking, smashes a can. But he finally leaps off with an axe handle to Rock. Power slammed by Scorpio to Whipwreck. Rocco throws Sandman into the cage before taking a drag off of a cigarette. When in Rome. Exactly. Too Cold now throws Mikey into the cage while Rock goes for a springboard moonsault. Only for Sandman to duck, so he transitions into a Russian leg sweep. Which, I'm going to admit, that was kind of a cool little transition. Oh, absolutely. I was couldn't believe I saw a Russian leg sweep in this match. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, my, uh, my eyes, uh, you know, got a little bit wider. I was like, okay, cool. Sandman's tossed in the cage again by Rocco, while Woman pokes Whipwreck with the cane from the outside. I mean, that's fun. Rock off the top rope with a double axe handle on Sandman before tossing him once more into the cage, followed by throwing Scorpio into it as well. Grunge and New Jack have split out of the cage, where chairs are used as they make their way towards the eagle's nest. It's so funny to me. It's like, well, we're going to have a cage match. But we're still yeah, going to have With a guys. bunch of people, but they're just going to leave the cage. Yeah. And, they didn't, and it's you know, no big deal. Didn't climb over to leave. They're just like, here, open the door and open let me door. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to go We got to go do our uh, our eagle's nest spot yeah. we talked about earlier. My head's not going to hit that wall from over here, so come on. Sandman and Mikey are fighting on top of the cage while Rocco goes low on too cold before Scorpio recovers to clothesline Rock. Johnny smashes a beer can across New Jack's head, dropping him with a body slam before climbing to the balcony, leaping off with an elbow drop. Jack then retaliates with a snap suplex, while Sandman is being tossed into the cage by Whipwreck. And New Jack is open. I think he's the first guy to get a little bit of juice. Won't be the last. Nope. At least in this match. We've seen juice. New Jack comes off the balcony now with an elbow drop, while Rocco is backdropped into the cage by Too Cold. Mikey with a top rope per Karan on Sandman for a two count, while Jack and Grunge start to brawl their way back to the ring. Sandman then grabs a table that has been conveniently slid into the ring by the officials. You know, somebody's got to do it. He just drops it on Whipwreck. <laughs> Very by, cactus. Cactus yeah, much. Followed by superplexing the table onto Mikey as well. Oh yeah, okay. I was a little early on that, but the, yeah, it's like, well, I have to imagine that... Mick Foley invented that because we remember seeing it a couple years ago against the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys, okay, yes. I was trying to remember. Yeah, it was yeah. like him and Max Payne. Max uh-huh. Payne, yep. yep. They had their big, uh, you know. Table feud. Yeah, ta- <laughs> well, well, it, was like, it was like the merch table feud. The merch table was the <laughs> yeah, first time I think we saw yeah. it. Yeah, it was very fun. Scorpio hits a super kick, followed by a table being suplexed by Sandman onto Rock and Whipwreck. More tables keep being slid into the ring. As Sandman clotheslines Johnny multiple times, while Rocco is using a frying pan on New Jack. Double axe handle by Mikey onto Too Cold before Sandman is tossed through the cage door. Grunge uses the frying pan on Jack when Too Cold nails Whipwreck with a DDT. Public Enemy then stacks the trio of tables inside the cage. I mean, when you had two tables earlier... And this is your main event. You need three tables, exactly. I guess. It's like AAA. How they, you know, they, they. I don't remember the the full progression of it, but it started with one and then went to two, went to three. <laughs> I believe. Pokemon continues to use the frying pan on Scorpio before dragging him up to the top of the cage, where Rocco and Two Cold fight, 
before crashing through the stack of tables. Bum, bum, bum. Oh my god! <laughs> and nobody went for the pin. Grunge makes a cover. <laughs> Is he? Okay. But Sandman has recovered to break it up with a with the wreckage from the tables. Uh, yeah, just a little piece of table. Johnny then tosses Scorpio out of the cage, allowing Rocco to dropkick Sandman face first through a piece of table he was holding. Sandman is then alone in the ring with Public Enemy and Mikey, where they hit a combo double vertical suplex flying crossbody for a near fall. Public Enemy heads out of the ring to brawl with the others, while Whipwreck climbs to the top of the cage, only for Sandman to meet him there with a low blow. They continue to fight atop of the cage, where Mikey delivers a super hurricanrana for a two count. Public Enemy, New Jack, and Two Colt continue to brawl around ringside and through the crowd, as Whipwreck leaps off the top of the cage for a splash, making the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. Let's go, Mikey. Post-match, Mikey goes to leave the cage, but Woman has locked the door and starts to climb the cage, tossing the cane into the ring where Sandman begins to use it on Whipwreck. Sandman then hits a flying leg drop off the top rope before lighting a cigarette. Public Enemy then climbs into the cage and starts to chase Sandman who escapes and retreats with Woman to the back. I love that Mikey uses the cane to lock the cage. It's such a nice spot. He's like, I don't need anybody else in here. <laughs> Public Enemy then helps Mikey to his feet to dance in celebration before taking the mic calling Whipwreck the champ. Sandman and Scorpio then return, but Mikey fends off the attack, suplexing Too Cold from the top of the cage and caning Sandman multiple times at ringside. Everyone then brawls to the back as Joey says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. I mean, love seeing this end on a Mikey. Yes. Mikey celebrations. Nice a nice little send-off. Yeah, he started by like stealing wins, and here he's uh, just beating up the Sandman. It's great. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Gangsta's Paradise? This is fucking ECW, dog. <laughs> like, uh, man, I don't know if it's the best one we've seen, but it's another one of those ones where it's like, well, maybe this is the most ECW show we've seen. Like, you know, of what people think of. You know, not, not like specific spots or storylines but just like the pure insane wreckage that's stupid but gleefully fun or it's just like ah did they did they even think this through at all i mean obviously there's some stuff they did but that you know they were given they were given the crowd what they wanted and i'm pretty sure all you know overstuffed 1175 people went home and were like Hell yes. Yeah. That was worth all of all of uh, 1250 or whatever they paid to get in the room. Yeah, this is one of my more favorite ECW shows we watched. You know, to, to fall back on the Stefan thing, this show has everything. Uh, it's got one great match <laughs> and then a bunch of fun garbage. Yeah. It's got excitement. It's got craziness. It's got blood. It's got chairs. It's got Steiners. It's got Steve Austin's. It's got Pitbulls. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, you've got cages, you've got dog collars, 
you've got the return of JT Smith, who's now Italian. Uh huh. And even though it has all that stuff there, where it sounds like it would be too much, it's just right. It also escalates really well because it like starts with like, okay, this is like your by the numbers first couple of like first like you know whatever match on an ECW show, but there's just a little a little bit more flavor, and it just like leads up to just like complete mayhem but it pays off with like this underdog that they've legitimately been building for mm-hmm. a long time so no matter how stupid it was it nailed the finish yeah it's like they spent all this time overthinking things and adding too much into you know all of the matches on one show and this time either somebody stopped midway through and said no this is good what we have right here or somebody went through and you know plucked the couple things that didn't need to be there that because in previous shows using pitbull raven and stevie and tommy you know you had the the luna factor in there and then it showed them like four different times throughout the show all of a sudden going into a brawl whereas this one it was one match that you know two out of three falls but it it still flowed yeah nicely and we talked about it as we were, like, how stupid and nonsensical it was, but we were still like, but it was good. <laughs> I want to call this the best ECW show we have ever covered. Mm-hmm. Or at least it, it's my favorite. It's Yeah, it's so consistent, and, like, it really isn't boring at all. I even mean, like, you, you, have the first, even... you have the first couple kind of just nothing matches, whatever. And then we get some clipping in the next two matches, which, which sucks. But I literally just had a big smile on my face the entire time I was watching the show. Yeah, I mean, there's this is one. This is a prime example of why ECW is still uh, remembered, remembered, celebrated, all those things. Yep. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show? Hmm. Uh, Mikey went off the top of the cage twice. It was pretty wild. Uh, Mysterio going over the uh, guardrail into the crowd from the ring. Yeah, he, went, yeah. he, he went like 30 feet. his <laughs> <laughs> bananas. And we have to remember, this is concrete for There's no pad. And not even, even if there was a pad, there wouldn't be one. No, on there, the other side of the rail. Pure concrete and you know, chairs with no cushions. And how dangerous that is. Like right now, the current 2022 Best of Super Juniors is going on. And for just safety purposes, they have taken away the railing from around the ring. Just because guys are going to be flying out there and like... They took it away altogether and didn't just push it back? No, that's just gone. So wow. it's, it's weird, but it's like, oh, very, very bizarre, but like... Kind of makes sense because these guys are going to be flying all over the place and uh, working for like basically a month and a half, and a lot of them probably working together for the first time. But yeah, Ray could have just barely slipped on that thing and just rocked his knee backwards. I mean, he could have barely <laughs> like, slipped there. like yeah, broke it backwards on that. Or in a Sarah when he came down funkily. Oh know. yeah. Both these guys got uh, at least mild concussions from uh, Harry Caranas from each other. I was like, at the end, I was like, maybe that one was payback. <laughs> so after number two gets hurt, Tommy Dreamer comes out. And the first thing he does is he just grabs the chain, hooks himself in. He's like, okay, I'm in this match. <laughs> yep. And then he wins it momentarily for him. 
And it's just like, that's just the beginning of like the craziness that is that match. Like, it, it is, most of the time we would watch that and go, so, oh my roll. god, that is so overbooked. But each piece that happened, just like, it made sense mm-hmm. and it kept telling the story. And yeah, like like Alfonso coming out, and it's like Alfonso, his, the only spot he comes like, out on the show. It's like, and Big Dick Dudley does the choke slam. He's like, okay, guys, choke slams are good for tonight. And so, of course, the one guy that we associate with choke slams then comes out to the ring, yeah, to choke slam Alfonso. People have been waiting for Alfonso to get choke slam basically since he, he showed, showed up. up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, maybe one of the first times that somebody came out like impromptu with their music playing instead of running to the ring which is funny because that's how that happens forever now like it's been going on for so long and i it's one of my like big pet peeves it's like if somebody's running out for like a save or whatever like they wouldn't play the music but here it's like well it's ecw it's it's extra you've got the debut of steve amania the most Steve the Austin debut of psychosis and Rey yeah. Mysterio. Yeah, the most Steve Austin, Steve Austin we've seen yet. So. Yeah, for sure. It's like he's. It's kind of almost like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin making fun of Hulk Hogan. But mm-hmm. it's Stone Cold Steve Austin's not a thing yet. But it's like it's not stunning Steve Austin. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's got a little bit more grit. He's a little he's a little pissed, a little psycho in there. Yeah, a little unhinged. How about disappointing? I mean, the first thing that disappointed me was when they started clipping the yeah. Steiners match. Yeah. What's cool? We didn't even bring up the Steiners. Steiners were here. <laughs> That's how I fun mean, the that show tells was. you how good the show is I, when it, the Steiners match. It has things, everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the Steiners match is like maybe like the third or fourth match on this show. Uh-huh. Like, I would have. It's like, in, it's one of those things where. I'm like, oh, you know what would have been awesome? Steiners versus Pitbulls. But it's like, no, you can't do that. That's one of those things where it's like a m- mental fantasy booking. But it's like, yeah, that's that's not smart yeah. at all. Save something for the video games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. Bull- Bully and Bull Pain was like a worthless match. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it your t- it's your typical first ECW match. first match. Like, better than a Valpucci match. Get your beers and get two seats because yeah. the show's really about to start here in a minute. I think the Dudleys just having multiple, multiple people in the group, I think it's funny. Yeah. But I can see how some people could, like, what's it just, going like, on. Yeah, you can see it as it watering it down, but it's like, well, the joke is that there's just a million of these fuckers. And they and they're all don't look alike or anything. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just like a weird, like, hillbilly cult. <laughs> I mean, anything else disappointing? That's... I mean, this is the it's thing about this. One. That's the thing about this show. It's like every I liked everything and didn't really didn't like anything, but there was nothing. Nothing that just like. Yeah, I mean, I felt like we'd have a lot more best moments. Yeah, there's there's nothing that I can think of in my mind of they need to take this out of this show. I mean, I think we mentioned like Beulah changing the match from a regular match to a two out of three. Fall. Like, how does that actually help Raven? Like, that's kind of like. Huh? Yeah, but it's it's all for you. Once you get three, in, three, minute, three, four minutes in, it's like, oh, you know, you forgot about that. We just need exactly. Tommy Dreamer to come out and chain himself up. This is a like perfect throw it on in a, on like a Saturday afternoon. You're like, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I smile and drink I a beer. I would literally be like, you want to watch an ECW show? 
let's watch this one. Yeah. Because it has, as we've said, it has a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of everything, and even the garbage matches have, like, some... They've got plenty of violence, but there is at least a couple of, like, wrestling moves in there, too. It's not all frying pans. Like, there's a Russian leg sweep in a cage match. Wild. How did I forget about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? He, he moonsaults off the second rope, and Sandman moves, so he can't get it. So he transitions it into a Russian leg sweep. And that's like, Sandman is, who did it. <laughs> no, no, it's Rocco Rock. Oh, Rocco Rock did it. Okay. It's Rocco. But still, it's Rocco Rock that Rocko does Rock. it. <laughs> I mean, I mean Rocco Rock is is talented. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's kind of like, uh, what if Sabu was fat? <laughs> it's like, oh, he's he's has no fear of doing this stuff. It's just a, a little sloppy, and uh, he's got a little more weight to him, so he can't fly as much. But he flies more than you'd expect. How about best performer? That's a tough one. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you kind of have to give it to. The two luchadors because they had the closest to a real the best a, a wrestling match. match. I mean, uh, it's the best match, but but then Mikey Whipwreck having yeah, all those moments exactly. Mikey like, had his moments, and the mo- Mike the Mikey Whipwreck being dressed like a public enemy just makes it that much more fun. The Steve Austin, Austin yeah, I was gonna promo. say yeah. Austin in his his best Hulk impersonation. Yeah. I I rewound that and watched it a few times. Yeah, Austin clapping back at WCW <laughs> and Hogan. I mean, I think the only person that we wouldn't give it to is the bully in bullpen. True. Yeah. And that still was not the worst first match on ECW show I've seen. No. How about most surprising? I wasn't ready for the Steiners to show up. Yeah, just the amount of debuts that we had on this one with the Steiners, Austin. We had New Dudley Brothers. We yeah. had <laughs> we had the Psychosis. Eliminators. Yeah. We, we, we didn't, I mean, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, the, Perry Satter. The Eliminators were... If, Originally brought in just to be fodder for the Steiner brothers. Okay. That's literally what they were brought in for. And as we'll see, they get over. Yeah, they were over. They were. And I mean, we know who Perry uh, Saturn is. Yeah. John Cronus ends up. Yeah, I had to look not, him up just to see. Not if being he anything. anything. Yeah. So I thought maybe he became somebody who, you know, wore a mask or makeup or something. But yeah. Perry Saturn is one of those guys where it's like, oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. He was just around for so long. Yeah, that, exactly. But still somehow forgettable. But, but then you got Psychosis, Rey Mysterio, Austin. I'm like, there are so many debuts on this show that it's like the return of JT. JT coming back, which <laughs> with with a gimmick that spo- spoiler alert, it leads to the full blooded Italians. This is oh this is, wow. This is what kind of leads into that. And the Full-Blooded Italians is a fun group as well in ECW. I, I forgot about the Full-Blooded Italians. It's been so long since I've watched any ECW that wasn't like in order. Yeah. So it'll be fun when we get to some of the stuff that you know I'd seen exactly. before by just like downloading torrents in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Most surprising also how far ECW has come from show number one to this one. Because those first show, that first show and second show were... Horrible handheld a lot camera of rough ones. in a, I don't remember where they were, BFW club or a, a holiday it was a, it was a hotel convention center. <laughs> yeah, also this is like, Ball this is their <laughs> arena and they packed in, I think this is the most people they packed into it and mm-hmm. it sure looks like it. The quality of show that they've had, how it's progressed to where they are right here is I mean, they're starting great. to do video packages, they're doing segments with the Austin thing. I mean, 
they're slowly bringing up the the quality of the production. Yeah. Current hot stars instead of the stars of yesteryear. Exactly. Yeah, Salbalamo. Who doesn't Rest love a good Salbalamo? <laughs> <laughs> Salbalamo sounds like just the name of a fucking hoagie. Yep. From, from down the street of the arena. Arena is not even. It's funny that they call ECW Arena. It's like the ECW fucking warehouse. <laughs> and now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. WWF President Jack Tunney had stripped Hulk Hogan of the heavyweight championship after a pair of controversial finishes with the Undertaker. So the title was put on the line. In the Royal Rumble. Ric Flair would enter the Rumble at number three, making his way to the Final Four with Hogan, Randy Savage, and Sid Justice. Macho Man would be placed on the top rope, allowing the Nature Boy to eliminate him with his running knee. The Hulkster and Nature would then tussle, with the Nature Boy almost falling out to the floor following a Flair flip, all with Sid looking on. But once he saw an opening, Justice would dump Hogan over the ropes. Hulk was in shock on the floor. So he would reach out, grabbing Sid by the arm, holding him in place, allowing Nate to dump Justice over to become the 19th WWF heavyweight champion. Flair would defend his title over the next few months until a jealous husband would challenge I so want a t-shirt that just has the like photo of Ric Flair and uh, Elizabeth like at, at like at the pool or whatever. That'd be such a good shirt. It's just that photo on a shirt. We like the you know. Didn't they redo that one here recently with? Oh, wasn't like Britt Baker and they may have. somebody. I can't remember who it was. I think it was like. Oh, Tony and Britt Baker. Is that who it was? That's probably who it was. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like something that they would do. Yeah. Because her and and Tony show on the air, good friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was Tony. It was probably for Tony's uh, podcast. Next week, In Your House, number three. I mean, yeah. Back in your house. We're getting a lot of, uh, we're going into the home. That's right. Pretty often, and I've been enjoying these shows because they're short and sweet Clash of Champion vibes. For all the years before, you had to wait a whole year before you could get to the next one. And now we've got our third in your house in one full year. Music from this week's show, as we mentioned earlier, Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Nice. And Mikey Whipwreck won our main event, so we play his theme music. Loser by Beck. (laughs) In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. (laughs) If you like this show or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Uh, Five stars or uh, spray paint the vegetables. Sounds like a good... (laughs) That's another Beck lyric from that song. Okay. (laughs) And if you have any questions, comments, concerns... Recipes... Yeah, send me some stuff. I, I, I don't know when we'll be back to Philly next, but I mean, I've got some Philly snacks, but I need more ideas. So Also, yeah. we're going to Michigan next, so uh, just send me some, some Michigan love. I want a Saginaw, Michigan. Saginaw. Never heard of it. Never heard of her. It's a suburb of Detroit. Okay. It's like, yeah. 
Oh, it's a suburb of Detroit. Oh, right. That's like I know Ann Arbor in Detroit. <laughs> that's like, that's it. Yeah, that's like a college town or whatever. Yeah. Lansing. Oh, Lansing. That's even farther away from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have any of those things, email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. La, 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 laters. I thought you were about to do that. I mean, it was like a coolio thing.